0: Hello Church Family, this is Pastor Rob, and today we're continuing our devotional series on wisdom. Specifically, we're going to look at the Book of Proverbs and the warning against isolating ourselves from sound wisdom, as well as the role that true friendship plays in our growing in wisdom. Pastor Zach has defined wisdom as the ability to live skillfully in God's world. Hearing wisdom is one thing, but living wisely is another. We've been teaching that wisdom is not just head knowledge, but having our actions and behaviors line up with the truths in God's word. Over the past few months, we've been looking at what living wisely looks like, both in the Proverbs and the Psalms. Let's be perfectly honest, living wisely isn't easy. It's much easier to hear a devotional or listen to a sermon, or even read God's word and walk away none the wiser, because that wisdom hasn't impacted our hearts. Godly wisdom often goes against what our flesh wants, what the world tells us we deserve, and the temptations that the devil throws at us. Sadly, left to ourselves and our own desires, our lives don't look wise from a godly perspective. I think you've heard several, several of your pastors ask you throughout these devotionals, how are you doing? And to challenge you to dig deeper into your heart to see what's there. Are you finding your joy in the Lord? Are you prone to give harsh responses or gentle answers? Are you running to him as your strong tower? Do you find security in God alone despite circumstances? These are just a few of the topics we've covered these past few weeks. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to these devotionals, I would just want to strongly encourage you to take a few minutes to go back and listen to them. I know I have been challenged and encouraged by all of them. So this morning, I'm going to ask you again, how are you doing, church? And I'm not just asking superficially, but spiritually, how are you doing? Normally, when we're asked that question, we, we hear spiritual and, and our minds immediately go to, well, I'm, I'm having my quiet times or I've been consistent with my prayer time and, and those things are important. Um, and I haven't done this or that and we normally end it there. Our answers are normally focused inward, but these answers are oftentimes incomplete. How would you answer the question, how are you doing relationally? True spiritual growth must also be measured relationally. The Christian life is meant to be lived in community and not in isolation, and it is so much richer when lived in authentic relationship with others. I love the paradox that we are individually saved and called into relationship with God by grace through faith. We talk about this as our vertical relationship with God, but so many commandments throughout the Bible talk about our relationship with others or the horizontal relationship with those around us. In just the New Testament, there are countless each other or one another verses, such as pray for one another, speak truth to one another, regard one another as more important than yourselves, and of course, love one another, and those are just a few. When asked about the greatest commandment, Jesus answers this way, The most important is, hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these growing spiritually and our vertical relationship with God should directly impact growing in our horizontal relationship with others. And and oftentimes we grow relationally in Christ-centered relationships. It it should well as we grow relationally in Christ-centered relationships, it should help us grow spiritually in our vertical relationship with God. Are are there times when we struggle with our vertical and horizontal relationships? Absolutely. But each of those relationships should encourage us encourage us to spiritual growth. This morning, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 18.1, which says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Let me read that again. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Several Bible versions will translate the last part of the verse to read, he quarrels against all sound wisdom, or, or even he rages against all wise judgment. What the verse is saying is that isolating yourself to get your desires is like throwing a spiritual tantrum against wisdom. One pastor defines sound judgment like this. The essence of this sound judgment is that it is the opposite of pride, And that it is permeated with the awareness that our grace and our faith and our gifts are free gifts of God and that our differences are his doing and may never be the ground of boasting but only of unifying service in the body. Or to shorten it down, sound judgment means judgment based on God's gracious freedom and our humility. This proverb hits right at our human nature because our propensity is to isolate ourselves when we're stuck in sin or when we really want something that is not wise. Like a child throwing a tantrum, we close our ears to what God is telling us or, or stomp our feet to what our friends are telling us. Or, or as the Bible call it, and the Bible calls it for what it is, which is a spiritual hissy fit. Wise living is all about understanding and acting upon uh, acting upon sound judgment. And isolating ourselves means that we are raging against that which is wise and sound. It takes us right back to the vertical and horizontal relationships we were talking about earlier. The Bible warns us that isolating ourselves from God's wisdom and from those who would share God's wisdom with us impacts both our vertical relationship with him and our horizontal relationship with others. Isolation shows pride selfishness, and even idolatry, and again, it will hinder your relationship with God and your relationship with others. So let's quickly look at three potential causes of isolation in our lives. This list is not meant to be comprehensive, but common situations that we may find ourselves or others in. The first cause of isolation is sinful behaviors or desires. There are times we find ourselves in some type of besetting sin. A besetting sin is often defined as one that we constantly struggle with and are naturally inclined to. There are also times when it's not sinful behavior, but we're tempted by sinful desires. Whether it's a behavior or a desire for one person, it may be lust for another, it could be greed or discontentment. For another, anger or envy or being untruthful or sadly any combination of all of those as oftentimes sin builds upon sin. Sadly, our hearts are desperately wicked and all sin is a transgression of God's law and deserves God's just judgment. James one, fourteen through 14-15 warns us, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Make no mistake, all sin destroys and leads to death as mentioned, these sins and desires may be different for each of us, but I think each of us instinctively know and feel that the last thing we want to do when we're sinning and participating in the deeds of darkness is to bring that sin into the light and come into the light. The absolute last thing we want to do is listen to or hear sound judgment that may cause us to have to confess and repent of that sin. The easiest thing for us to do is just keep that sin in darkness and refrain from being in God's word and fellowshipping with him in prayer and and then being around others where we may have to lie about the sin to protect ourselves and our reputation. We are in fact fighting against and raging against sound judgment. Ephesians 5.11 warns us to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. Sin is often a cause of isolation. An unrepentant sin can also impact all of our relationships, especially our vertical relationship with the Lord. The second cause of isolation is, is selfishness. Sometimes we're, we're not cutting ourselves off from others because we're stuck in some type of besetting sin or sinful desire, but it can also be because being around others and living in Christian community, it takes patience. It's hard work. It takes sacrifice of our time and resources, and it takes denying of our own desires for the sake of others. This often exhibits itself as, eh, I'm too tired to go to church this morning. Or, eh, you know, it's been a long day. I'm, I'm not really up for a prayer meeting. Or, do we really have to go hang out with so-and-so? I'm, I'm exhausted. In that moment, we desire to isolate and not fellowship with others. We're, we're, we're only thinking about ourselves and not thinking about how we are called to be an encouragement to others, and how God may use a get-together or a gathering of the saints, a, even a small one, for his glory. Hebrews 10 24 through 25 exhorts us, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Selfishness is also a cause of isolation and like the previous cause can impact all of our relationships. The third and the last cause that we're going look to look at is pride. We can also cut ourselves off from spending time with others because we're prideful. It's not That we're isolating because of sin or because of selfishness. It's because we're prideful. The cause is the most difficult. This cause is the most difficult to identify and, and diagnose because it's really the most deceptive. On the outside, it looks like we're living in community. We go to church and we hang out with others. But on the inside, we, we have no deep friendships and, and no spiritual, spiritual connections outside of superficial relationships. This means no accountability, no actively seeking advice and guidance from others. And like the prior two causes, we're, we're fighting against and we're raging against sound judgment. In doing this, We also isolate ourselves from from trusting others, from giving and receiving unconditional love and and mutual edification. No different from the other causes, this has a grave impact on a relationship both vertically with the Lord and horizontally with others. Now that we've looked at the three causes and warnings against isolation, let's look at three biblical solutions to this problem. The first solution is to humbly seek the opinion of trusted believers. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. For many, confessing your sins to another person ranks right up there with public speaking. It can be terrifying. This type of transparency and humility and accountability in a relationship requires us to break free from our isolation and humbly come before someone to open our lives and ourselves to them. And we're opening really the parts that we really want to keep in the darkness. Now, this doesn't mean we just do this with anyone. One pastor says this about accountability partners. And I quote, we are not intended to live our Christian lives alone. We are members of a community. Most of this living occurs within the context of our local church. It's here that strategic relationships emerge with opportunities to provide deeply personal care. Overall, these relationships are meant to help us to follow Jesus faithfully when we find an area of sanctification that we want to focus on and then ask another Christian to keep us accountable, it's common for us to refer to these relationships as our accountability partners. Close quote. Um, the, the pastor goes on to give, following qualific- to give the following qualifications for choosing our accountability partners. And he says this, they should be converted, meaning they should be a Christian. The person should have commitment, that this shouldn't be some fair-weathered friend, that, that bearing one another's burdens, it takes work, it takes commitment, that they should have conviction. The person should have a conviction that God's word is powerful and true and not be afraid to share it. That person should have character. Now, this doesn't mean sinless. being sinless. It means someone who is also committed to the process of sanctification. The person should have courage. The person can't be afraid to call a spade a spade and say the hard things. The person should have clarity, both on God's word and their role as your accountability partner. And compassion. If we're aiming to render Christ-like service, then we must reflect his compassion. I love that list. Although it's extremely difficult at the time when we're being held accountable and having sound judgment shared with us when we want to rebel against God, Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 reminds us that is better, that better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The second solution is is to humbly provide godly wisdom when asked. To humbly provide godly wisdom when asked. This solution really goes hand in hand with the previous. Just like the previous one requires the person who's isolating themselves to take initiative to seek help, this also requires initiative on the part of someone who sees a brother or sister who may be struggling and isolating themselves. This requires intentionality on our parts. Do you know someone who you haven't seen from or heard from in a while? Maybe you know someone who's been struggling with some type of besetting sin. Many times the solution to someone's isolation comes when a brother or sister who cares for and loves them steps in and presses into their lives. It, it may start with something as simple as, Hey brother, Hey sister, I, I, I noticed you've, you've isolated yourself from fellowship with others and, and we haven't spoken in a while and haven't seen you in a while. How, how are you really doing? How can I be praying for you? Is there anything hampering your growth in Christ? This requires humility and transparency on our parts and admitting that there have been times that we've struggled and, and we've isolated ourselves and, and we don't want to see someone that we care for go through that on their own. Letting them know that you're willing to pray with them, to study God's word together, and fight alongside that brother or sister to help them break free from their isolation and sin is what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. Further, it's what members of the First Baptist Church of Upper Marlborough have covenanted to do with one another. As our church covenant reads, we will walk together in Christian love, by faithfully caring for, watching over, and admonishing one another as occasions may require, That list of characteristics and an accountability partner is something you should strive for in yourself as we carry out our covenant with one another. We must remember that although we're called to address sin and admonish one another, we are also called to speak the truth in love, and as Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. The last solution may be the easiest to say, but the hardest to do, uh, and it's simply to just be more like Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 13, 30, uh, 24, excuse me, John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I think each of us have to confess that sometimes we, we don't act anything like Jesus. When it comes to loving others, we fall short of Jesus's example. When it comes to forgiving others, we fall short of Jesus. When it comes to denying ourselves of sinful desires and selfishness, we fall way short of Jesus. When it comes to serving others, we fall short of Jesus. When it comes to seeking out others, we fall short of Jesus. Jesus is is the perfect example of how to love one another and fulfill all the one another's that were commanded to in the Bible. One distinction to make though, unlike ourselves, when we see Jesus isolate himself in the Bible, it wasn't for any of the reasons that we've looked at today since Jesus was the sinless Son of God. When we see Jesus spend time by himself and isolate himself from others, It was always to spend time seeking his father in prayer and to also pray for his disciples. One local pastor says this about Jesus, and I quote, Jesus is the ultimate friend and the friend our heart desires. Who's the friend who sticks closer than a brother? Jesus. Who's the friend who always covers the offense? Jesus. Who's the friend who gives us his soul counsel? S-O-U-L. Jesus. Who's the friend who became iron so he can sharpen us to clash with us? Jesus. Who's the friend whose wounds are faithful? Jesus. He'll both wound us when bringing up the hard things we need to hear, but also the friend who took the wounds we deserved. Faithful are the wounds of that friend. Close quote. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. To recap and close, Wisdom is the ability to live skillfully in God's world. In order to live skillfully, we must seek to deepen our relationship with the Lord, and we must seek to deepen our relationship with others. Do you feel isolated this morning? I pray that you would seek a trusted brother or sister or even reach out to myself or any of your pastors. Please do not feel alone. Do you do you know someone who is isolated this morning? I pray that you would be a friend like Jesus and lovingly reach out to that person. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that our hearts are prone to sin and prone to isolation in ways that we may be aware and other ways that we may be self-deceived. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to seek authentic Christian relationships with those that we can sharpen and those who can sharpen us. Lord, help us to be a friend like Jesus. We pray these things in his matchless and mighty name. Amen. Love you, church.